this is our fourth lesson. You can get it on the computer. And if you uh, do not uh, have it on the computer, you can get it on the CDs and get caught up. Because you never know, I may even do a test quiz and ask, what was the definition of this? How about I do one right now? <laughs> Hallelujah. So I want you to look, and we're going to put up Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. And we could turn off the, the side lights, for uh, the art. We, sh- we soon uh, be getting our new projector off, and you're going to be seeing that as clear as can be. But as you can see here, and he went through all of Galilee teaching. Say with me, teaching. Teaching, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing. Say with me, healing. Healing every sickness and disease and every affliction among the people. Next one, please. This will be Matthew 4, 23 through 5, verse 2. So you, just, you can keep on going. And verse 2 says, And taught his climbing companions. This is what he said. You don't have all of that up there, brother. They don't have that all up there. Okay. Well, let's just turn these lights back on and just, just let me read this. Hallelujah. Matthew 4, verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching. Say with me, preaching. Make a note of that, preaching. And the, the gospel of the kingdom and healing. Make a note of that, healing. All kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went out through all Syria and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted in various diseases and torments and those who were demon-possessed epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him and from Galilee to Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain and when he was seated with his disciples, say disciples, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and taught them, say taught, and then saying. How many know that when Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved? Aren't you thankful that we have a Lord that's moved not only by the multitudes, but he moved, He's moved by one. Amen. And it says He taught them. It says that word taught twice. And, and I, I won't stay very long on this word, but I, I want you to see something here. Teaching is for the Spirit. Preaching is for the soul. And healing is for the body. We have a complete Lord with a complete message. Your three parts. Your spirit, soul, and body. The teaching is for your spirit. The preaching is for your soul. And the healing is for your body. Aren't you glad that is all covered? Amen. And so he sat down and he taught them. And why does Jesus teach people? Why do we need to be taught? Because they were misinformed. You shall know the truth. You shall know it. It's got to get down in your heart. It's got to get in your spirit. You shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. So we see here that teaching is the way that Jesus used to get his message in. And he came teaching and preaching. And he said, repent. Say with me, repent. Do you have Luke 13, verse 3, brother? It's, uh, repent means it's time for a change. And, and it says in there, I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Now, if you study the verses before that, it's interesting that Jesus was talking about some Jews who were killed. And the Jews were talking about, the priests and the Sadducees, the Pharisees were talking about how these innocent people were killed. And Jesus says, it doesn't matter whether you were Samaritans, whether you were Jews, Gentiles, it doesn't matter. Just like they were killed because of the rocks falling on them, 
You can be killed by being misinformed. By not changing your philosophy, which means the truth that I love to be truth. That there's no changing my mind, but it's what I believe and what I hold dear. So he says, unless you repent, you will likewise perish. And he said it twice there. The word repent there, and I gave a definition last week, but I'll give you another definition right now. It means to do a 180 turn. A 180 degree turn. That's what that word repent. You know, how many of you know the word of God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. My ways and my thoughts are higher. So Jesus came saying, I'm giving you another mentality. I want you to repent. A 180 degree turn, a change of mind. It means to change the way a person lives and the way a person thinks. And it means to start living and start thinking. And write this down, the opposite way. The word repent means to start thinking the opposite way. If I am doing something and it's not working, I, need, I may need to make a turn and start doing something the opposite way. And so I want you to see here that it, that's that word repent that Jesus was speaking about. And the Word of God, how many of you know the Word of God knows how to spin us around? We're going to be talking about spinning around and we're going to be take, talking about everything that can be shaken will be shaken. That's what the Word of God is supposed to do to our lives. Now in Acts chapter 3... 19 through 20 in the message translation. And then having wiped out seven enemies. Acts chapter 3, not 13. Let's go there. Acts chapter 3. I mean, we're going to get this. We're going to get this technology stuff down. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. And I want to read this to you in the message translation. But God, who through the preaching of all the prophets has said all along the Messiah would be killed, knew exactly what they were doing and used to be fulfilled. Now, this is the scripture, Acts 3.19. Now, it's time to change your ways. And listen to this. I love this in the message. Turn to face God. Turn. Repent. Turn to face God. He can wipe away your sins and pour out showers of blessing to refresh you. How many want that? Amen? Not everybody who hears receives it, but He wants us to receive it so we can have a change of direction. I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26. I believe that should be up there. His voice that time shook the earth to its foundations. This time, He's told us that this quite plainly. He'll also rock the heavens. One last shaking from top to bottom, stem to stern. The phrase, one last shaking, means a thorough house cleaning. Getting rid of all the historical and religious junk so that the unshakable essentials stand clear and uncluttered. Do you see what you've got? An unshakable kingdom... And do you see how thankful we must be? Not only thankful, but brimming with worship, deeply reverent before God, for God is not an indifferent bystander. Well, that's something, huh? He says He's going to do a what? A house cleaning. He says He's going to do what? A house cleaning. Why? You know what He's saying? 
I'm going to get rid of all the religious junk. Or in other words, I'm going to burn the sacred cows. What you call, what you call my heart and my desire, what you call pleasing to me may not be pleasing to me. What you call sacrifice, I may not call sacrifice. What you call worship, I may not call it worship. What you call church, I may call it a club. I am going to shake everything that can be shaken. I'm going to reveal what's going to be burned up and what's going to be rewarded. And I'm proud of you tonight because you're here because you're saying, I want to make sure that my works are established in what pleases God. Amen. I love Brother Wagner has a book called Churchquake. Because judgment starts in the house of God. And that God is preparing his body and he wants to raise up his disciples who will walk in his spirit and truth. Now look at Matthew chapter 3, 10 through 11 in the Amplified Bible. And already the axe is lying at the root of the trees. What have we studied the first three weeks of this series? The leaves and fruit is our works. Then we talked about the trunk of the tree is the character and the roots is our integrity. It says the axe is already the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. How many want to change your ways? Amen. So we see here that it's trimming time and God is doing the work. In Matthew 4.23, it says that he came preaching. Preaching brings a covenant. Preaching brings the sheep into position. Preaching brings the sheep into a place where they can hear His voice. And then in chapter 4, verse 23 of Matthew, it said He went about healing. People who are unredeemed and have not been taught in the way of the Lord, many times we see they're wandering around, they're lost, they're hurting, they're in pain, they're being destroyed because of things of this earth. But Jesus went about preaching and teaching and healing the sick. And His Word was received. So say this with me. Preaching. Teaching. Healing the sick. Equals the kingdom of God. He went preaching, teaching the kingdom of God. When you start getting the preaching and the teaching, you will have the signs and wonders. And how many of you are thankful that we have signs and wonders? Amen. He calls his disciples to establish his ministry here on this earth. So he wants the whole body trained. Ephesians 4 says he's given the fivefold ministry, equip the saints for the work of the, of the ministry. Now look at Matthew 2, 2. And we're going to have it up here. It says, and asks, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? Say with me, king of the Jews. How many of you know who the king of kings is? Amen. Now, we won't have to look at all these scriptures. But in Matthew 2, 2, he, he is called the king of the Jews. How many of you know that when you're supposed to be a king, you're born a prince? But there's only one person who's ever been born a king, and that was Jesus. And so I want you to see this of the kingdom. In Revelations 19.6, you can just follow me as I say these, Brother Art. In Revelations 19.16, he's called the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In Zechariah 9.9, they said, Behold, your king is coming to you. Say king. In Matthew 4.23, write this down about Matthew, the book of Matthew. The word king and kingdom is used over 50 times just in the book of Matthew. But it says in Matthew 4.23, that the kingdom of heaven has come upon you. Matthew 5, 7, 
It talks about the keys of the kingdom. In John 19.14, Pilate mocked Jesus saying, Behold your king. Now when they nailed the sign above his head, it was said, Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. And they said, you can't put that. And he goes on to say in John chapter 19, Pilate says, what I have written, I have written. Well, if Pilate had that power, how much more power and authority and glory does God have when he says he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords and the Lord of righteousness. So this is the kingdom that we're a part of. And he is the head of the church. And this is what he's building. Now look with me, Matthew chapter... You don't have to turn there because I'm going to be using two different translations here. In Matthew uh, chapter 6, I'm going to start with verses 5 through 9 in the message. And you can read it up here. And when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. You know, when I read that, I thought about I got an aunt uh, down in South Louisiana that everybody has to stand by her at wakes because she always passes out. It don't matter if it's dear, if it's close family, or it's family that's not so close. She has, she is the passer-outer. That's her job. It don't matter if it's a cousin, a niece, a sister, whoever. I've seen that lady pass out. I don't know how many times. And she ain't a small lady either. And so she passes out. Everybody's got to be around her ready. At any moment, poof, she's going to fall out. Oh, theatrical version. How many know God does not want us coming to church putting on a theater? Amen. He's looking for those who worship in spirit and truth. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just before there as simply, just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense His grace. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice. Peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you are dealing with. And he knows better than what, than you, what you need. Amen. Hallelujah. With a God like this, loving you, you can pray very simply like this. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Isn't that wonderful? Reveal who you are. Let's keep reading. May your kingdom come soon. And may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. The next one. And forgive us our sins as we also have forgiven those who sinned against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. The next one. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. How many know that's the prayer for God's dominion to come to earth? The standards of God's kingdom. 
Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Write this down. I, w- I want you to get this that because the disciples sat down for Jesus to teach them. When you say, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, you are saying that your kingdom be expanded. In the realm of my life, in the realm of my family, in the realm of my school, in the realm of my job, in, 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 the, in the realm of my city, let your kingdom be expanded. You know, we're going to read tonight, blessed are those who hunger after righteousness. And that word hunger is the word crave. Have you ever had a craving? But when you had a craving for a pickle, but you didn't have a pickle in the house. And your wife can tell you, go get some ice cream. No, that's not what I want. Go cook some pop. I'll make some popcorn. I don't want popcorn. I want a pickle. How many of you know that when you have a craving, nothing else can satisfy that craving? And I'm, am I the only human in here? When you have a craving, I've got to have what I crave. And so the pickle company expands because of my craving. Because I'll get in the car and I'll rush to the store because that craving's bothering me so much that I'm going to have a pickle before I go to sleep tonight. Because that craving pushes me. When, when we want to see the kingdom of God expand to that point, it's not a pickle that we're craving. It's supposed to be souls that we are craving. It's supposed to be about expanding the kingdom of God. And God's talking about accelerating His kingdom, which means we've got to be willing. You know why we wear these bands? Like, for example, this live band that talks about we're against abortion and we're pleading. And people say, well, my band stands for, like a pink band may stand for uh, breast cancer. And another band may stand for AIDS. And another band may stand for the military. What is that red band that says life? What does that say? Well, let me tell you what it says. Whenever I look at this band, I pray, Lord, I plead your blood over my sins and the sins of my nation. Lord, uh, stop abortion and send revival to America. There's an opening right there to testify about Jesus. It's about expanding the kingdom of God. It's about, Lord, let your kingdom be expanded here on earth. And then, of course, Jesus said in John 6.38, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. You need to write that down. John 6.38. That has to be the desire of every son and daughter of God. We're all called to be disciples. He says, go into all the world and make disciples. And listen, Jesus said, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of Him who sent me. And we've got to get that in our heart. John 4.34 My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. Luke 22.42 Not my will, but yours be done. We hear over and over again about Changing our desires and make them God's desires. Matthew 6.13, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. In other words, it's been given to us to submit to the sovereignty of his kingdom. And when we submit, listen, when we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. Listen, this is what discipleship is all about. Right here, listen to this. When I submit... To the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God can then be released through me. That is discipleship in a nutshell right there. And and you may say, that is so simple. Oh no, that is so profound. Try to live it. 
Jesus kept saying, not my will, but thy will be done. My will is to do the will of the Father. Or in other words, brothers and sisters, when I submit to the will of God, then I am verified as a candidate for the kingdom of God to be released through me. That is when God doesn't only heal you, He heals through you. He doesn't only save you, He saves through you. It's all about the expansion of the kingdom of God. And let me tell you very clearly, it's wrong thinking if you think that it's the pastor's job to win the world. It's the sheep's job to win the world. I teach you tonight. I preach to you tonight. You go out, you submit to God, and His kingdom is released through you where you live and where you work. That's how the church... Because you know, you know what's happening in America since 1992? There's hardly any souls being saved. It's people jumping from one church to another. And we make our churches comfortable to receive new people, but not to get new converts. Because how many of you tonight have brought people to church to get saved, and you discipled them. I'll bring them to church. It's not just about bringing them to church. It's about you submitting to God, re- letting the kingdom be released through you to them. You brought them to church. You're responsible for them. You call them. Well, I brought them to church, Pastor, and you didn't call them. Well, did you? No, I, my job was to bring them to church. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Your job is to bring them to church and continue reaching out to them because you brought them to church because God placed them on your heart. And just because you brought them here and they came up to the altar don't mean you're released from them. You're even now more covenanted, partnered with them. Disciples make disciples. Amen. You say, well, that's not how we were taught in first church. Well, this ain't first church, and this is Jesus' way, and maybe you just need to change your way of thinking, as Jesus said. Amen. Because it's the sovereignty of God. Now, look at Colossians 1.13. This is awesome. Colossians 1.13. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son. Amen? We're transferred into the kingdom. Is there another part of that, brother? That's it. Hallelujah. Matthew 5.2. Now, this is important. Let's go ahead and look at Matthew 5.2. Matthew chapter 5, verse 2. And seeing the multitudes, he went up to the mountains, and he, when he was seated with his disciples and came to them... And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed. Say with me, blessed. Now, I gave you some definition last week, but I want to give you another definition. The word blessed means it's something to be experienced in the here and now. Not something in Beulah land, something to be experienced in the here and now. Okay? And verses 1 through 12, just write this down, is a prescription for the kingdom life, the blessed life. Now, listen, the word blessed is a special word. The Greeks use this word... As a word for the gods. The Greeks use this word for a word of the gods. It means it's divine and God-like joy. God and divine-like joy. But listen to this. 
It's a joy that holds a secret within itself. Every word of God is a seed. When he said blessed, he said there's a divine seed, a divine seed of joy. There's a divine seed of blessedness within this word blessed, but within every word that I speak. Within every word, there's something alive in that word that's a seed. And when you receive the words in teaching, when you receive the words in preaching, there is something of me in that word. And when you receive that word, my word, you receive something special of me imparted into you. That's why when you're hungry, when you're merciful, when you're down, all these different things we're going to read about in this Sermon on the Mount, everything that you are feeling is an open door for me to manifest in your life and give you something in you, within you, that is of me. Hallelujah. Amen. Something that's already been provided for, he says. It says in verse, uh, in Matthew 5, 3, it says, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4. Blessed are those that mourn. And look at that word blessed. That's the divine word for every problem that you may have. Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now write this down. That word comforted there. I'm reading the New English translation. The word comforted is the word for the Holy Spirit. So he's saying, if you're mourning or you're going through a hard time, I've sent you the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, to come upon you and in you to uh, to not only give that nice and warm, f- fun feeling, but to give you something divine of me. John 14, verse 16, the New King James Version says, I will pray that the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. And this word is used for Barnabas. And you can read in Acts eleven twenty four. We won't go there tonight, but in Acts 11... Acts 11.24 uses that word blessed uh, for those who are mourned that Barnabas was such a lover of a person. And look at verse 5 of of chapter 5 of Matthew. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. This word meek means the lower I bow, the more I'll rule. The lower that I bow, the more I'll rule and reign with Christ Jesus. How many know that Jesus was our example of humbling himself and coming as a servant? Verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. The word uh, field there is means the fullness of God. And you can find this in Colossians 2, 9 through 10. Do we have it up there, brother? Art. Colossians chapter 2, 9 through 10. For in Him dwells all the fullness, say fullness, of the Godhead bodily, and we are complete in Him. So thank God that it says there in verse 6, when, when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you shall be filled with the Godhead, uh, with the fullness of the Godhead. The more I'm hungry, the more of the Godhead I get, the deeper satisfaction I feel. One who holds back from commitment den- denies his desire for a blessing. Verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. How many of you know mercy is a character and an tra- attribute of God? But it's also supposed to be an attribute and a requirement for us. Micah 6, 8 says, And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy? Look at your name and say, I love mercy. And to walk humbly with your God. Verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Amen. Hebrews 
Chapter 12, verse 14 says, Pursue peace with all men and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Say holiness. Verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Do you know what this word, they shall be called, means? It means they shall reflect. Write that down in your notes. They shall reflect that they are sons of God. How many fathers want their sons to be like them? And then verses 10 through 12. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is there. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad. Sound very glad. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets, prophets were persecuted in the same way. How many of you know what's he saying there? That when you are blessed, when you are persecuted for righteousness sake, when they lie about you, when they say all manner of things about you. This is what God is saying. When you have to lay down your life for me, I'll always give you something of my life. If they're attacking you because you are going against the grain and like my brother who's visiting us tonight from Mexico, he was the first one in his family to get converted and, and the family couldn't understand that. Many of y'all were the same way. You couldn't, your family didn't quite understand when you converted or maybe when you got baptized in the Holy Ghost, you started believing for divine health or divine prosperity and they kind of looked at you kind of crazy and wondered, you know, what are you, what a cult are you belong, or you go to or this, that, or the other. Whenever they persecute you for my word's sake and for truth's sake, just know that it's an opportunity that you just go ahead and just lay down. Just lay down. And let them speak those words and you just lay down and let them say what they say. Let them trample. Let them do what they want to do. Because by you laying your life down, you're showing my lordship over your life. And that I'll have my way. And that's the likeness and the image of God. When I lay my life down, you know what I'm telling God? If somebody attacks me, if somebody says something about you or me, or if we're under persecution... When I bless them, because we read the prayer of the kingdom, forgive those who trespass against you, that your Father may forgive them, uh, forgive you your trespasses. When I forgive somebody for persecuting me or attacking me or talking down about me, you know what I'm telling God? Because I can tell God a lot, oh, I love you, you're my Father, I praise you. But when I forgive and pray for those people who attack me, you know what I'm saying? God, you don't owe me nothing. You don't owe me nothing. You don't even have to defend me in this. It's not I that live, but Christ who lives in me. You don't even have to... Lord, I don't even want you to avenge me. I want you to bless them. I want you to provide for their needs. And in this Christian walk, the more it goes, the more opportunity we'll have to either take offense or to forgive. And every time I decide, I'm going to forgive. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to pray that God blesses that person. I'm going to pray that God just blesses them deeply. I'm telling God by my actions, you don't owe me nothing. I'm just thankful I'm saved. And I'm not speak- I, I am not demanding my rights, Father. I'm going to lay myself down and the rest is in your hands. You do as you please. That is a hard place to get. But that is the place that gives fruit. 
That's the type of lifestyle where you just go to bed, lay down at night and go to sleep. Because I ain't worried about what people are doing or what people are saying. Because God doesn't owe me. And we read just a while ago in the Scriptures, don't listen to the nincompoop messages that give you a recipe, you fake prayer warriors, on how to have a program and how to get results. Everybody's going around and they're selling their programs. Jesus says, just in one Scripture, I have a word sprinkled with my blood. That is my program and gets results every time. And it's not four points on how to get a new car. It's not six points on how to get your house paid. It's not ten points on how to get healed of cancer. If you lay your life down and you say, God, though you slay me, I'll still serve you. You don't owe me nothing. Well, Lord, I'm standing on your promises. I gave that $100 to that man on TBN because he said if I give $100, I'll get a new car. I didn't get a new car. If you just say, God, you don't owe me nothing. I'll give $100 because I love you. I give $50 because I love and serve you. I'm not even interested in the harvest. I'm only interested in serving you with what, after all, all I have is yours. Now, that goes a lot of teaching that's going on. But I'm not impressed with where we are today. I'm impressed with the saints of old who got on their faces before God and sacrificed their lives for God and spent their time on their knees. And instead of looking for the next hype and the next person to make them laugh, they looked only to Jesus to fulfill their life. They didn't follow a man with this picture. On a billboard. They're following a Savior on a cross. They're following a Savior on a cross. And we have gotten so hyper in this country. And we've gotten so hero-minded. That we have gotten away from the message of the cross. And of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. As we just surrender to Him. And have the attitude, God, you don't owe me nothing. I owe you everything. And if you want to take this, it's yours too. The best marriages is not the seminars, it's the cross. Father, you, I'm, going to have to, I'm going to have to yield in this. I'm going to yield. And I'm going to give. The most prosperous businesses, the most blessed ministries, are those centered around the cross. Because if He wouldn't have died for us, we wouldn't have a future. We wouldn't even be here. We can never get away from the cross. There are no points that take us away from the cross. There's nothing. The, the message about being crucified with Christ, that is not an old-fashioned message. That is the eternal kingdom principle. And so His kingdom has to dominate me. Write this down. If it's going to flow through me, His kingdom and His message 
of the kingdom has to dominate me. The cross has to dominate me. The life, the way Christ lived it has to dominate me. The nails have to dominate me. His will has to dominate me. His peace has to dominate me. His love has to dominate me. And listen to this, my fellow Americans. His humility has to dominate me. Not my will, but thine be done. And when the kingdom dominates me, listen. Blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor, blessed are the hunger. When the kingdom of God dominates me, the kingdom of God consoles me. I have that divine joint peace that keeps me even in the midst of the worst storm. Now, I, I looked at these points. And uh, let me give you these points right quick and I'll end. And it's real simple. In Matthew chapter 5, and I'm just going to give you these scriptures and I'm going to, give you, I'm going to show you a puzzle here. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, that's the first blessed. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, blessed are those who are empty. I come to the Lord empty. I come to the Lord empty. In verse 4, I come to the Lord broken. Have you ever been broken before the Lord? In verse 5, I come before the Lord selfless. Selfless. In verse 6, I come before the Lord open. Verse 6, I come before the Lord open. In verse 7, I come before the Lord tender. Tender. And then in verse 8, it opens the door for His holiness. Holiness. Without holiness, no man shall see God. Holiness. In verse 9, holiness activates the kingdom in me. Activation in verse 9. And then in verse 10, fearlessness. That's the message of the kingdom. I come before God, first of all, blessed all the blessed are the poor in spirit. I come before the Lord empty. I'm not tooting my own horn like you said there. I'm not trying to impress you. You're not sitting in the grandstands listening to me or trying to judge. You're not grading my prayer. Lord, I come before you empty, yielding and steel. I come before the Lord empty. I come before the Lord. The next one, I come before the Lord broken. Lord, I've been broken. I'm hurting. Things haven't worked out in my life. But Lord, I'm not complaining because I come before you selfless. I'm not demanding my rights. I'm de not demanding that you do this for me or do that for me. I come before you selfless. And in fact, Lord, I'm coming to you not praying for myself. I come to pray for the needs of others tonight. I come selfless. And selfless makes me open for God to speak, for God to reveal, for God to show things to me. And openness creates tenderness. How many of you know we need the tenderness of the Holy Spirit? Just to walk tender before God. 
Blessed are the meek, the merciful, tender. That opens the door to be holy. And then that opens the door for us to be active. And that opens the door for us to be fearless. Fearless disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I feel awe in this room even right now. I feel this message is the heart of God. And I believe this message is what is going to turn America back to God again. Because you can never own enough stuff and have enough people and have big enough facilities and a nice house that ever satisfies. But if I could fall in love with a loving Savior and I can turn my face toward God and behold Turn your eyes upon Jesus and look into His marvelous face. And the things of this earth will go strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Where are you today, Pastor? I want to get lost in Jesus. I want to examine everything that maybe I've been taught and everything that I might have read and everything that I might listen to. And if it exalts me, I want to lay it down. I want to take up what only exalts Christ. Because I want His kingdom demonstrated in me. If I have to stay a little longer in the pit, like we've been preaching on Sunday mornings, if I have to go through a little bit more fire, more persecution, the Lord, you don't, you don't owe me nothing. In fact, whatever you said, you'll perfect that which concerns me. So whatever's coming in my way, I'll receive it. I just want to be perfect before you. That's the heart of a disciple. Years later, they were fighting. Who's the greatest? Will you give us thrones on each side of you? Oh, haven't you learned? Show us the Father. Oh. Show us some more miracles. Is it still the miracles while you follow me so close? Is it still the bread and the fishes while you still follow me so close? Is it still seeing the dead raised while you follow me so close? When will you love me for me? When will you want to spend time with me for me? When will you wash my feet with tears? Instead of begging me for my sandals. When will you want to wash and wipe my feet with your tears? And when will you fall at my feet and worship me for who I am? When will you follow me just for me being Jesus? That's what he's looking for. That's what he's looking for. Brother Russell... What's happened to the church? Where are all the people? The axe is at the root. He that does not bear fruit in me, cut it off. I'll throw in the fire. I'm shaking what can be shaken. Not I that live, but Christ who lives in me. And you see, this message tonight, 
This will destroy all strife. This will destroy all self-seeking honor. This will destroy all my rights. This will destroy... It will destroy our flesh so that we will be a church of Christ. And there will be no fighting, no bickering, no complaining. There will be people who will be committed because if I'm a greeter... It doesn't please Jesus if I show up five minutes before service. I'll be there an hour because I love Him. The next, when's the next meeting? I'll be there. Because I'm not doing this for pastor. I'm not doing this for Brother Marvin. I'm doing this for my Savior, Jesus Christ. Because it says, whatever you do, do as unto the Lord. Whatever you do, do as unto the Lord. So I'm going to sing. I'm going to shout. I'm going to bring my Bible. I'm going to bring my notes. I'm going to learn what Jesus taught and how Jesus wants me to be. Because you see, if I don't teach the cross and I don't teach on being what Jesus wants us to be, I will stand before Jesus and I'll give an account and He will fuss at me, not at you. But you know what? He's coming back for a beautiful bride who has made herself ready. And the bride, we are going to work on ourselves. And our mascara is going to be just right. And our hair is just going to be just right. And the veil is going to be just right. Everything is going to be just right. And word of grace may not be totally perfect, but we're going to get as close as we can be. And where you may, if you're visiting us tonight, you go to church at, you may not be perfect and your church may not be perfect, but you're going to get as close as you're going to be. And we're going to take the initiative to meditate on these things. And I may be broken, but I'm still alive. And in my brokenness, May I be like that vessel of honor broken, poured upon the feet of Jesus to where I've got the fragrance of Jesus on me and the whole room is, this whole room has the fragrance of Jesus on us. And the worship has the fragrance of Jesus because Jesus is coming into the room. And Jesus feels welcomed here. And when we go out into the restaurants, Jesus feels welcomed at our table because all conversation and the love and the perfume of His presence is, is not leaving and not dwindling. And when we get in our cars and when we get home, we don't do things to make the fragrance leave us because unless your presence go with us, I don't want to go. Till Christ be formed in you. Let's stand.